right, we're here uh, day three at NPOD, and I'm speaking with Dr. Noel Morgan. He's here from University of Exeter. And um, I just was talking to him about what was sort of his most surprising or sort of intriguing takeaway from the meeting so far, and his answer was... Yeah, the answer is that it's about antibodies, and we've always thought that antibodies were autoantibodies, that is, were a key factor in predicting type 1 diabetes and telling us something about the underlying process. And I still have this niggle in the back of my mind that they may be more of a red herring than we have thought. And we still don't understand what the relationship is between what's going on in the pancreas and what the antibodies are telling us. Now clearly there must be an important link between the two, but I'm concerned that we I'm concerned that we haven't grasped what that link is and that maybe we're trying to put two and two together and actually making five rather than four. Does that make sense? Yeah, it's it's kind of like you're including something that doesn't matter. Yes, I wouldn't say it doesn't matter, but I think maybe we're, we're over-stressing the importance or we're attributing to the antibodies something that is more than they're telling us. Um, and I don't really have firm evidence for that, but it's still this niggle. It was very mind. interesting that Aaron Michaels presented that IA2, um, deaminated IA2, and what that might mean. What do you think about that? Yeah, no, I was really intrigued by that for yeah. several reasons. One, because it's not an antibody that we typically would be measuring, and maybe we should be. And the second is that it... That and other aspects of the things he was describing suggest that in children there's a different process from adults. And that's something that we've been interested in for a long time. And I thought that his data were rather supportive of that idea. Right. Um, and that's still, of course, a controversial idea. With We've heard from people saying at this meeting that the idea of, quotes, endotypes is... You know, we should put that on one side. I'm firmly on the other side of the story, that we actually need to include those the concept of endotypes. Yeah, and I mean, I've heard from folks like Matthias von Herreth, you know, he's like, don't bring up the endotypes yeah. because the market won't support endotypes. You know, if you want to bring it to clinic and who's what company is going to get involved if there's so many endotypes. But if you think about it, and I've said this probably a hundred times, but, you know, with breast cancer, like 20 years ago, it was one and done, and now it's very personalized. And so, so maybe the trajectory could be the same for type 1. Yes, absolutely. I, I mean, I understand the commercial aspect, but for me, as an independent scientist, that's much less critical than understanding the underlying etiology. And I still don't really get the message that says... If we have to treat everybody the same irrespective of what their disease process is because surely that isn't a strategically sensible way to proceed the best way to if we're going to prevent type 1 diabetes and that's the goal that I have in my mind understanding it sufficiently to prevent it we have to do that in a strategic way and if it's different in these, this group here to that group there then we need to treat them differently, even if the market's incredibly small. Right. Maybe that's a naive, non-commercial view, 
Well, that's, you know, the ideal world, really. I mean, that's what a, a patient or caregiver would want. Sure. Is that they would get treated to to their personalized uh, standard. Yeah. I mean, we are working on the idea that there are two principal endotypes that we define, but it doesn't matter if there were four or six, because if you have one of those as an individual or as a parent of a child who does, you want that child or you to be treated in the most appropriate way not the way that suits the pharmaceutical industry best right and i think of, uh, as we're getting wading into data more and more you know data is going to illuminate you know some of these uh, endotypes i'm still going to call them endotypes yes thank um, you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and and really shine a light on what is going on and 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 you know it just seems more and more like it's it's just it's relapsing remitting you know, disease, and yes. it, 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 maybe it needs to really be thought about like that. I don't know, what do you think about that? Yes, no, I think you may well be right, and I think the evidence in the pancreas that, you know, some areas affected more than others suggests that it's not a uniform process, it clearly can't be. Whether it's truly remitting, relapsing is a moot point, but it's certainly not uniform. Um, the other aspect that I was struck by was data from the Italian group, uh, Francesco Dotto, oh, yeah. who suggested that there are microRNA differences mm-hmm. um, across the spectrum and that those may correlate. When you put that together with the data of Aaron Michaels, it seems to me that we may be honing down on a, a biomarker mechanism for differentiating endotypes. Yeah, and that's definitely where we want to go. That's where we want to go, (laughs) yeah, because without them, you can't look in the pancreas, so you have to have some measurable biomarker in the periphery. And I'm more optimistic than I was that that might be true. More optimistic after this meeting, I mean. That's really great news. And what's happening in your laboratory these days that's sort of new and exciting? Well, several things, I think. And one is we're trying to map pancreas development from through from fetal stages through the early part of life. And strangely, that has not been done to any great extent at the histological really? level. Yeah, H- no, in human? In humans, yeah. Wow. It really hasn't been done. Um, Does you, do, I mean, where are you getting these samples from? Well, well we've got samples from uh, various sources, including from it. Um, but also from a collection in the UK known as Quad, um, which is an organ donation system. Um, And we're trying to understand whether there may be key points in the developmental process which, if they're affected, might trigger or be one of the precipitating events that lead to to changes that lead to type 1 diabetes. Mm. So so that's one thing that we're doing and using AI technologies to map the the images that we see. Um, And we're also still working on um, the balance between pro and anti-inflammatory mechanisms and whether there may be aspects of the if I can call it anti-inflammatory pathways that we could exploit to tone down the autoimmunity that one sees in type 1 using a pharmaceutical approach, in other words, using a drug approach. Druggable targets, yes. Yeah, druggable targets. So we're doing all of those things and it's still 
exciting. That's very busy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. That's good, and I, it's I, it's also great that you and uh, sort of hinted that uh, Sarah Richardson's lab is in the same uh, building, uh, or uh, absolutely. Uh, well, we yeah, the same place. Um, yeah, Sarah and I have worked together um, for oh, I don't know, seventeen years or something. Now. Yeah, she's um, got some great work too. Yeah, yeah, and so collectively, and indeed, she is taking forward much of the effort that we're now putting in those areas and leading it so that's that's great well that's fantastic great to, great to hear from you and we'll look for your guys next paper and uh, maybe a collaborative paper from sarah and yourself we'll see thank you Molly. thank you